Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay, joined again by Eric Stearns, uh, back from our little bit of a break uh, at the very start of the school school year. Uh, Eric is the husband of our preschool teacher, and so with all the school starting, uh, Eric took the week off last week, and so it was good to have Pastor Peggy um, come on as a visitor, but it was also really um, good to connect back with Eric as well. And so uh, welcome back, Eric, and just uh, glad to have you here for this conversation. Uh, we're going to dig into my message from Sunday, which was all about our fear of failure. I mean, dig with dig into some times when failure has happened, um, and how I, as a pastor, have in- encountered failure in ministry and uh, dusted myself off, or allowed God to dust myself off, and kind of you know just dig into what that fear uh, can look like and uh, and how we overcome that fear. So, let's get into it. Good. Awesome. One thing that stuck out to me in your sermon was I liked how you. Talks about living life carries risks, and with risk is always going to come the fear of failure, or the, yeah. the risk is that you're going to fail at whatever you choose to do. And I really liked how you talked about that. Um, and from your perspective, how do you deal with? How do you personally deal with that? You know the the fear that whatever you're trying to do, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, from my personal per, per, blah, 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 failing, uh, from my personal <laughs> perspective, um, you know, I, I, I have been a part of those times in ministry where there are things that I think are important and things that I think are really going to benefit the life of the church. Um, and either because of my, my failings or in just this, it just didn't work for whatever reason. And sometimes it's because I didn't push hard enough on it. Sometimes it's because I didn't plan it well enough. Sometimes it's because I didn't promote it well enough um, as a pastor, but like there, there have been times um, in the life of ministry where I was like, okay, I really think that this could benefit the church. Um, And then just, you know, it ends up not, not bearing fruit in the way that I think it should, or, you know, you, you throw a dart and you, you, you try it as long as you, you know, you, you, you keep trying for a while. So you give it a chance to work, but then you realize at the end of the day, oh, that's not actually going to work. And you just have to, you know, you ask God for the fruit that, you know, that, that could come from it. And, and then just, you know, go back to the drawing board and say, okay, God, that wasn't it. And how do we, how do, what, what do, what does it mean for us to move forward? Um, like one of the, one of the things that comes to mind with that is prayer ministry. Um, you know, when I was at my previous appointment, um, you know, I went, we took a group of people to a training on prayer of like breakthrough prayer of like very specific, focused, intentional prayer and doing prayer walks and stuff. And like during that training, we had this powerful moment where we prayer walked the sanctuary of Mitchell Fusion um, Church, uh, the, the the United Methodist Church that meets on Dakota Wesleyan's campus. Like it, it's a it's a fully chartered church. It's not just a campus ministry. It it is a campus ministry, but it's more than that. It is a literal chartered church in the United Methodist Church. Um and like we prayer walked their sanctuary before their Easter service and they had the biggest Easter service that they had ever had. So like, I understand that God works through prayer walking. I get that God works in that way. And like, so we would do prayer walks almost on a monthly basis of like, Hey, we are going to meet at this date at this time, at this place, this is going to be our prayer focus. And like, 
I had a congregation of 68, 70 people in Burke. And like, I would have two people at the prayer walk, you know, and then in Herrick, it was harder because I had a church of like 35 people. And sometimes it was just me. And and so I would prayer walk our sanctuary and pray and say, Hey God, like, I think that this could really make an impact in the lives of those people around in, in our church and beyond, um, you know, and so what, what more do I need to do? How, how, why is this not working? Why is this failing? You know, is it, is it me? Am I the problem? You know, and just, you know, I eventually just had to, you know, I just had to say goodbye to it and just, you know, move, move on. Cause it wasn't, it was no longer worth me investing time and energy and heartache into it. Um, and then just, you know, thinking about how that translates now that I'm in a different appointment, you know, and I've been here for three years now. And like, I still think a prayer ministry would be a great thing for our church, but it's mm-hmm. like, I'm so afraid of that previous failure coming into fruition again. So how do I even get the bat off my shoulder for it? I, I just, I just cannot get myself fired up for it in this moment right now, because it, it was such a, it was such a hard part of ministry in a previous, in a previous space. So I don't know if that's answering the question, but that's just something that I'm wrestling with right now. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the idea of failing, I have failed before and now just, you know, am, am afraid of initiating something because I'm afraid of failing again. That's tough. Yeah. And there's no real, I mean, there's no good answer to that. I mean, I just, I just continue to be in prayer and say, okay, God, is this the time? And I'm not, and I'm, I'm I don't feel that I'm hearing, yes, this is the time to really push and go for it. I'm not, that's not where I'm, where I'm feeling that we're at right now. And so it's just kind of a matter of staying connected to God in the midst of that. And just, you know, I still think it's a good idea and I still think that it can work and not just, you know, not just to promote numerical growth, but really for us to grow in our depth of faith and our engagement in the community. Um, you know, and it's just kind of a matter of what, when is the time to take the risk? How do you, Okay, since you mentioned this, how do you yeah. balance how do you balance numerical growth with um kind of depth of understanding for the congregation for the people you're trying to lead? How do you balance that? Because I mean, if you have no people, it doesn't really matter how much one person grows. You know what right. I mean? Yep. We're taught to yeah. reach the masses. How do, how do you how do you balance that? Right. The easiest answer is that I don't really. I mean, if one person is going to grow from it, then it's worth doing. Uh, when I was in, in a, before I was a pastor, I was leading a Bible study in, in a church in Sioux Falls. Um, and I had literally two people come to it. It was usually just me and this one other person. Um, and we fully engaged. We fully did. We did the study. It was actually, it was around spiritual practices and like how we, you know, engage in a life of prayer in, in different and creative ways. Um, you know, and we, this person and I ended up having these wonderful conversations as a result of it. And did I reach as many people as I wanted to? No. Do I think it was a good study? Yes. I mean, cause I know, because of the conversations we were able to have and the impact that that has continued to have on that person because of the things that they have told me, um, even, you know, to very recently of just, you know, I, I remember how much fun that was and I remember how much I learned then and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, so, uh, 
I'm okay with that. Um, I, I know that that made an impact on one person and that's, you know, that's one more person than, than, than had that experience before. So I'm willing to be that guy. I'm willing to have that numerical, you know, numerical failure in order to grow in, in a spiritual sense. But there are times where it just, you know, where it, where it doesn't work and you have to move on. But, you know, mm-hmm. this, I mean, this, the, the Bible study was a set amount of time. It was a six week study. It was not going to go on. It wasn't, it wasn't the launching of a new ministry. It was a short term Bible study that just one person came to, you know, so yeah. Had I been trying to launch that into a ministry, then it would have been, then, then that's where the balance would have come in and said, this is not worth my energy. This is this is not going to be. It, it comes down to stewardship of time. Like this is not going to be a good stewardship practice of of the time that I've been given to serve the congregation. I mean this this fear is definitely the one I struggle with the most. Mm. Fear of being alone doesn't really bother me. I kind of. I mean, I'm an extrovert, but I kind of enjoy being by myself. Sure. Um, it was funny when you went through that two weeks ago and talked about where you planted on that um, survey. We did that survey as a group of engineers, oh. uh, 10 of us, 12 of us last year. And um, as you can about imagine, all of the end, everyone but me ended up in a very introvert um, uh, sense, you know, on the left side. I can't remember what was all over there. And I sure. was very extroverted on way on the right side. And it was just very funny because me and no one else had a party over here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The people that like to be alone is in, are in a big group of people and the people that like people are all by themselves. <laughs> Hooray. We did it. We solved it. Yep. So that was kind of funny, but um, no, That's all. Fear, fear of failure has always been the Thing I've struggled with the most. Oh yeah, not, not to a point where I don't want to try things, mm-hmm. but more I get into them and maybe I'm not as good at whatever thing as I think I should be. Yep. Um, always trying to be better, which I think is always a good thing to try to be better at what you're doing. But always also feeling like I'll never get to where I want to be, um, and kind of almost being down on myself for yep. you know, beating myself up. Um. So I'm not achieving what I think I should be able to achieve. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Like that brings me back to the time that I learned how to ski when I was in high school. Like, mm-hmm. so we, uh, a fellowship of Christian students, we got together and we're like, we're going to go to this rally out in the Hills and we're going to ski the day before and whatever. And it was like three quarters of the way through my senior year of high school. My teacher, Mike Murray is teaching me how to ski. Um, he's also our faculty advisor for FCS. And I was just like, I was, I was getting down on myself because I was falling like crazy, like, you know, and here I am, I'm like, I should be better at this. Cause all my friends are like doing, you know, the, no one did like the black diamond at Terry peak, but like they're, you know, they're making it down the hill without falling. I, however, mm-hmm. uh, at one point in time fell and the brake mechanism of my ski froze up and then my ski shot down the hill. Like <laughs> this is where we're going on this trip. And I'm getting really down on myself and just hard on myself. And like, I'm never going to get to where I'm going to be, you know, good at this or whatever. And Mike Murray looked at me cause he was also a wrestler and he's just like, you know, you just finished your wrestling season. You just finished your wrestling career in Gregory and period. Cause I didn't wrestle in college. 
He's like, what was easier, your last takedown or your first takedown? And I was like, my last one. He's like, what did you do? And I was like, I practiced and I got better and I worked and, you know, He's just like, it's the exact same thing. What's going to be the easiest thing the last time you go down the hill? What's going to be the hardest thing right now? And like, you know, really kind of gave me a, you know, little pep talk there on the side of the hill. It's good when we have people around us that that can kind of pull us out of that funk. Absolutely. I think that's huge. Yep. Because sometimes you can't get out of your own way. You can't oh, gosh, no. that mental block. Well, I mean, kind of like you're talking with, with um, prayer walks, mm-hmm. you've got that mental block right now that says, no, we're not doing this again. And it probably could, I mean, it could take someone else to say, no, Clay, we need to do this, you know? Right. And, and maybe it takes some of that burden off of you that someone believes in you. Right. To be able to, to do, to ski, you know? So who's been that for you, Eric? Who's been that 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 person that kind of pulls you out of the funk? You know, no specific time that I can think of, but I just think about times where um where I don't feel like I'm as, you know, I don't feel like I'm being a good engineer or a good dad or or a good farmer or whatever. I think my many roles that I play, my wife is always there. Like, no, you're actually really good at what you do and at least that's what she says anyway. <laughs> um, but no, she's always very encouraging and that always goes a long ways. She's always very encouraging. So how about for you? Yeah, Lindsay, for sure. Um, absolutely. Uh, but I've just also been, I've been granted a lot of really cool clergy mentors, uh, especially in, especially when it comes to ministry stuff, like people that are in the thick of it or were in the thick of it and really get it in the same way of like an engineer colleague might for you. Um, just, you know, if, not just Steve, but also Steve, um, but just, you know, current people that I'm currently serving with that just, you know, I can, even today I was running into a thing where I was like, is this something or is this, is this dumb? And I can just like, here's the idea and let me verbal vomit it out to you. And, you know, they, uh, uh, they can refine it for me and kind of like, pick through and say, okay, have you thought of X, Y, Z? And, you know, and so that, that, that helps get me out of the loop of like, okay, I just need to put this somewhere. And then is this a thing and then how to improve it? And then, and, and vice versa. Like those are ongoing conversations among pastors that are constantly happening um, over, over Facebook messenger um, in my world. And so, yeah, there are definitely a couple of people that I really, really look to for wisdom in that way. So yeah. 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 That's a good point. There's a couple guys that the office next to mine and on both sides, I feel like I can just walk into their office and, yep. and, you know, shoot ideas to them and see what they think. And definitely it makes a world of difference and it helps me be a lot more successful when I come up with an idea that they're like, yeah, I would run with that. Then, you know what I mean? And then you're like, okay, if there's two smart people that think this way, then it must be a good idea. Clearly, so. yes. Yep. <laughs> nice. But That's awesome. So I think you need to share the story of when you uh, tried to wing a sermon during seminary. Like yeah. Yep. 
I mentioned it in the sermon, uh, and it was actually really funny because my friend Pastor Steph was in the congregation on Sunday that was in this yeah. preaching class with me. We were talking after church on Sunday. Um, she's just like, were you thinking about that time when I you know, completely failed to prepare a sermon for class? And I was like, no, not really even at all. But apparently Pastor <laughs> Steph did it too uh, when we were in advanced oh, preaching funny. lab. Uh, but no, when I was taking when I was taking a sermon delivery class in seminary, uh, we were given the the assignment. We ended up preaching six sermons throughout the entire semester, um, semester long course. The first one was with a full manuscript. So you write the sermon, you take the sermon with you into the pulpit and you preach it. That's what that was the entire. And then you've received feedback. Then it was one page of notes and then it was no notes. And we did one practice one that was five minutes and we did one real one that was 15 minutes and 30 seconds. That was all we, that, that was the amount of time that we were given by our professor, Randy Moss, which it was my turn to practice my no notes sermon. So my five minute no notes sermon. And we get to class, we say a prayer because it's seminary. That's how we started every class was with prayer. And then Randy says, Clay, you're up. And I said, what now? And he said, you are up for your five minute no note sermon. It was on the syllabus. Like you should have known and you should have prepared. But I did not even a little bit have any <laughs> clue whatsoever that I was up that day. And so I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. So I grabbed my Bible and like, thankfully I had been translating through Philippians um, in, in my Greek class. Um, and so it was like, I had just dug into something pretty hard and I knew how to like then twist that into not just giving a lecture on this word in Greek, but how does this really connect us to the text and how does this really connect us to Jesus? And I think I made it about three and a half minutes before I just said amen because it was not going great. And so uh, <laughs> our, kind of our motto in that class if you, is if you couldn't land the plane, crash it. If you can't land it, crash it. Just get out of it. Just dump. And mm -hmm. I, and he, and Randy looked at me. He's like, you know, for not knowing what you were doing, it did okay. You know, he was not overly congratulatory. It was not a sermon that, you know, blew the roof off of the place and inspired everyone to live their life for Jesus. But it was, it was serviceable. As we all know, if you're a part of the church or, you know, Eric, as you know, I am not a no notes preacher. Mm -hmm. I am a one page of notes preacher that when I was in seminary, that was the, the best that I felt, the best that I preached there. And that was just kind of, you know, and then just kind of that's how that developed for me as, mm -hmm. as you know, it really started in seminary and just the experience of being completely blind on a no notes sermon. Yeah. It it was serviceable. It was not good. It was not great. It was not fun. It was not. Ugh, yeah, but I never did that again. Um, you know, I've I've never been not prepared again. So I at least learned something. So it's not a total failure if you learn something. Right. Exactly. Thank you for sharing. Yes, of course. I'm always always willing to share the moments when Clay gets it wrong. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Well, my fear of failure. That's I mean, I think that that's why that I wrestle with that so much now is because, you know, there are times in this when I, and I, you know, presumably I know how to preach a sermon, but there are times where I sit down to write and it's just like, what's a sermon? How does this work again? What are mm-hmm. like, how do I make the moving parts happen? And I, you know, and then, you know, I'll, or I'll run through it on Sunday morning because I practice before y'all get there on Sunday morning and I'll get done. And I was like, um, I don't have time to rewrite the whole thing. So this is just what we're going for today, you know? And then someone after church would be like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And it's like, oh my gosh, are you sure? But (laughs) I mean, the only thing that I know is that God is good, you know? And so, yeah. Anything else? We focused a lot on the Moses story, but we also did read um, the story from Joshua. Uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about um, our fear of other people. Um, you know, it comes time for the people of God to move to Jericho. Um, you know, and as we know from the song, Joshua fit the battle of the battle of Jericho. Um, he Joshua sent spies in and the spies were struck by fear. Um, and it was a little bit the fear of failure, but also the fear of those other people and saying, you know, well, the land's not that good and there's giants and we're scared and this is a bad idea. And so Joshua had to deal with spies that were saying that and like going not just to Joshua and the other leaders going to anyone that would listen and like working against him. And so, he became the leader of the people by the divine decree of God. Moses died. God comes right to jo- jo- right to Joshua and then said, I'll be with you. No one can defeat you as long as you're faithful to the word. And just, you know, do not be afraid for I am with you wherever you go. And like, thanks be to God for that, because there are times when it feels very scary to follow God and very scary to do the things that God's called us to do. And so Joshua has to deal with the people that are afraid doing a hard thing that they were too afraid to do the first time. You know, the the whole reason why the people of God had to wander in the desert for 40 years is because they got right to the edge of it. And then they got afraid and they doubted. And God said, okay, cool. You're not ready. Um, so this entire generation is going to wait. Um, and it'll be the next generation. Moses is going to wait because Moses did not faithfully, fearlessly lead the people. You know, and so Joshua is the one that gets called to really take the people of God into the land. Um, and so he's dealing with a with a fearful people to begin with. And then he's dealing with people that are poisoning the well, as it were, you know, of just, you know, of turning the tides against what, what God's told them to do. And he has to lead in the midst of that. And that can be so hard and so challenging. And it would be, it would have been normal for him to be afraid under, under normal circumstances. Cause he's young and, un, and, and, and untested. And then just to have this other level of fear placed upon him, this other level of challenge placed upon him. I mean, there's a reason why God had to say what God had to say and mercifully and, and thankfully God's words were true and faithful. And, you know, that gives hope to you and to me, you know, that's the reason why we read that story on Sunday or we read that part that passage of scripture is just to kind of like reveal that this is the consistent nature of who God is. You know, God was with Moses. Moses had all kinds of excuses as to why he wasn't going to be the one to go. And God said, you're not going to go alone. I'm going with you and it's going to be okay. You know, and then Joshua, you know, raises is raised up to leadership in the midst of this really fearful and tumultuous time. And God has to say, I'm going to be with you. 
And so when we face those times when we're afraid or, you know, there's, there's things that have turned the tide against us, or we're just, we're just, we're just dealing with our fear. You know, we can consistently know who God is in the midst of those moments. Well, what's next week, Clay? Yeah. So next week is the final week um, in this sermon series. Uh, we're going to be moving on from fear uh, as we bring the bring the month to an end. Um, and we're going to be dealing with, you know, we talked at the very start of it that fear has benefits and there are some things worth fearing. Um, and so we're going to really dig into what the fear of the Lord is. Um, you know, uh, there are four different passages in the book of Proverbs uh, that say that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Um, and so the fear of the Lord is very Sorry, that's gross. Uh, the fear of the <laughs> Lord is very important. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, we're going to be digging into what that phrase means, because when we hear the fear of the Lord, we hear fear. We hear the mm-hmm. fear of the Lord. We hear it as it is said, but that's not what it means. Like fear doesn't mean, oh, I am afraid for the, the phobia type fear. What the fear of the Lord really means is awe and reverence and respect. Because, and I think that 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 phrase has been used to, you know, well, you have to be afraid of God because God can condemn you to eternal punishment, and so you better be faithful. Like that, that that fear of the Lord has been instilled on people, has been inflicted on people, and I want us to dig into what that phrase really means. And so we're gonna be hearing the first time it's heard in the the first time it's said in Proverbs, and then also what Paul says to Timothy at the very end of their time together, where Paul says to Timothy, God has given us a spirit of of power, a spirit not of fear. Not not of timidity, but one of power to go forth and do the things that God's called us to do. And so we'll be wrestling with what the fear of the Lord really looks like and how we then live in the fear of the Lord to live lives that are unafraid. So wrapping everything up in a nice little bow, I hope. Mm-hmm. I like so, that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. Your brain goes to a place that shouldn't. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cup and Pine podcast. Join us again next week in person at 10 a.m. or online or back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.